Imagine a podcast that can help make your life better every single day. A podcast that connects you to a community and gives you a better understanding of the world you live in. Wait, sorry, what's this podcast about again? Um, it's like a like a retro show about stuff from the 2000s and 90s. The 90s? Who gives a shit about the 90s? What are they going to talk about? Rap rock and crop tops? Of all the stupid ideas for a podcast I have ever heard. Unlocking What Was Cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. It's going to take me a lot of time now to adjust to uh, talking about consoles that don't support the mini disc format. You're telling me that this entire podcast isn't about mini discs or UMDs, Neil? Nope, nope. Not not doing the PSP was cool yet. Damn it. Oh, oh, and we're live. Oh, Mike. Well, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me today. After our two month hiatus, we are now done. The GameCube was cool podcast, and we have now started our newest project, unlocking what was cool podcast. That was a great uh, new jingle from friend of the show Victor, who put that together for us. That's right, yeah, and thank you for introing us, Victor, and giving us uh, the proper intro that we need to start this podcast on UMD discs. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm sure someone out there is listening to us on PSP. <laughs> it has to be. Has to oh, be I'm talking about person. not even the games. You know, we're just going to talk mm-hmm. about the movies. Uh, I actually found one in a video game store the other day, a sealed copy of uh, mm-hmm. Terminator 2, I think, for nice. some reason, on a, on a UMD. So, uh, huh. Uh, if anyone wants to pick that up, it was going for like forty bucks. So wow. not too bad. That, that's a, that, that's that's a good Terminator movie. That might be the best way to watch it. That's what James Cameron <laughs> had in mind when he made Terminator Two. He knew he was waiting for the PSP to come out so that people could watch his one of his best movies on uh, what is that screen? Four inches by two or whatever. <laughs> the, the the ideal way to watch. Movies that's right for sure. I love watching my SpongeBob movie on there from time to time, yeah. but. Mike, we've been away for two months, so before we jump into today's topic, I wanted to catch up with you a little bit. Uh, what's what's new in your life? Well, I've just been sitting here at the microphone for the yep. last two months since December, mm. since the Madden episode. Uh, <laughs> as soon as we stopped recording on that one, uh, I've just been sitting here, and I've lost a lot of weight. Uh, you know, uh, I've drank a little bit of water to, to just to just sustain me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, now I need to to bulk up again. So that's what I've been doing. Okay. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, I did manage to picked me up a PS5 uh, earlier Ooh. in uh, the year. So I have been enjoying that a lot. I know it's not a Nintendo console. Uh, and big shock out there, I don't just play the GameCube. I know that's uh, probably what people think, uh, is that we just play GameCube games and that I just hate the N64. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, including buying a PS5 and having a great time playing things like Demon's Souls and the new Hogwarts game, I've also uh, appeared on an N64 podcast, if you can believe it, Neil. Nice. Uh, remember 64, talking with our friend Dave uh, on there. Uh, I talked about some WWE or WWF at the time yep. games, as well as uh, WCW uh, versus NWO Revenge, one of my favorite uh, wrestling games of all time so we had a great time talking about that and we did try and dispel the rumor that i hate the n64 but uh you know it's 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 still sticking to me 
Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the N64, it's really just the controller for you, I think, is your biggest <laughs> hang-up with that console. We're going to talk a lot about the N64 <laughs> in the in the coming months, I'm sure, with, uh, with various video games from the 90s and the 2000s. I was super jealous of you picking up the PS5 earlier in the year already. You had to pick it up from the States, though, because in Canada here, I don't think they're as readily available as they are uh, in, in our neighbors to the south, uh, Targets and Walmarts and whatnot. No, I can just pluck it off the shelves in the U.S., you know, just like going by and like a fruit, like grabbing an orange and and walking out the store. So that's 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 what I did. And then twelve hundred dollar orange. That's what you said. (laughs) Then they told me I need to come back inside and pay for it. So that's that's what happened for the PS5. But yeah, really enjoying the PS5 and still enjoying my Switch. uh, uh, But after playing a lot of 4K gaming now and, uh, you know, seeing these games in 4K, I'm like, "Ah, okay, now I want everything (laughs) to be 4K. I'm spoiled. I know Nintendo's going to have to get on that bandwagon probably within the next 10 years, I'll say. Well, we'll see a Nintendo console that plays 4K, maybe the Switch 2, who knows. But uh, while we've been away, I managed to do a bit of traveling. Me and my fiance went down to Florida in uh, late January. We visited Disney World, got to finally go down and meet uh, the mouse himself. Mortimer Mouse was not there, but Mickey Mouse was filling wow. in for him. I know, he was lazy, lazy bastard, that mouse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we went, on, uh, we went to Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, Universal Studios, Hollywood Studios, and Epcot. So it was a it was a crazy week. Uh, so many memories, so many cool experiences. Got to meet Darth Vader. Got to go on all of these amazing rides. Never been to Disney before, so this was a first experience for me. And I can definitely see where all the hype is now around these parks. It's really quite an amazing experience for someone like me who's only really been to you know, the regular carnivals and Canada's Wonderland, which we have in Toronto, which is a fantastic amusement park. But Disney is just something completely different, a bit closer to what Universal Studios was. But even Universal Studios has some of the experience rides beat over Canada's Wonderland. But if you are in the Toronto area, obviously Canada's Wonderland, I think we have them beat in the roller coaster and thrill ride department still. Um, Nothing down there that I went on was really better than rides like Behemoth and Leviathan, which are crazy coasters. If you ever travel to Toronto, Canada's Wonderland is a must visit for sure. You're going for the licenses in Disney and Universal for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got to meet uh, Kevin from Up. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) The bird. Really cool costume. Yeah, I, I love that park. I mean, the weather was uh, was beautiful. Uh, you know, high mid to high twenties for us is like heaven in the middle of winter when you're escaping. Yes. You know, came back to negative. What was it that week? Like negative twenty five degrees. I think we got here something crazy like that. But just cold. Anyway. Just cold. Yep, just cold. We're counting down the days now till spring, which is only a few short weeks away. So uh, looking forward to that transition. But also while we were away, Mike, we uh, we missed a Nintendo Direct, which was quite unbelievable for me. It was it was a really good Nintendo Direct. I know that it's old news now. Uh, it's been, what, three or four weeks since the Direct, but really quick, why don't we, uh, we go through some of the highlights and our thoughts on uh, basically everything coming to the Switch for the next eight to nine months. I mean, I think that the big highlights for sure were the ones that they barely touched on. And uh, <laughs> obviously, oh, Neil and I have talked about this before, but Nintendo seems to be uh, losing their ability to properly display these titles and properly mm-hmm. give the hype to to some of these titles that they deserve in their directs it's just become basically a powerpoint presentation but that doesn't mean that the content has gone away it's maybe gotten even better because we did get to see metroid prime remastered uh that was awesome to see uh, some gamecube content there mm-hmm. um and that it was released that day so <laughs> on digital uh and and another one that they kind of glossed over batten kaitos being remastered that was huge you know we talked about that in November, I think, we as one of the last games for the GameCube, our last Nintendo games, and 
that's going to come to switch so that's really really cool because i think you and i both want to play that at some point uh, on a new generation console um and of course we got the big news which was having game boy and game boy advance coming to switch online that is just like i've been waiting for that basically since the the online service came out it feels like it's a little late honestly it feels like this probably should have been uh a couple years uh, ago, maybe like three or four years ago, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I got to play Kirby's uh, Dreamland uh, this week uh, on yeah. the Game Boy emulator, which is great because mm-hmm. I've honestly never actually been able to play that game. Uh, I I never got it on the Wii Shop or anything like that, so this was really cool to to be able to play it. Yeah, and they've even put some uh, games there that were only in Japan, like never released in North America. Yeah. There's a really good Game Boy Advance puzzle game that I've been playing. Uh, Super Mario Advanced 4, Super Mario World 3 is a ton of fun. I know you love that game. You played oh, yeah. it back in the day. I don't know if you've noticed this, though, but uh, in the in the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance emulator that they have there, they have the option to um, to make the screen look like what Game Boy Advance looked like, where you can see the grid marks uh, yes. in the pixels. <laughs> Instantly turn that on. It makes, the, it makes the image for the games look so much better. I prefer it at least. I think that that's the way to experience these games. I was actually playing Super Mario Advanced 4 this morning, and I turned that on, and I was like, "Wow, this this is so cool." I love yeah. I love when they do that, like adding the like the CRT filter for old <laughs> uh, old TV NES SNES games. But you're right; it feels like that this is a few years too late. It would have been awesome if maybe the Switch had done it like year one NES, year two yeah. SNES, year three N64, and then go Game Boy, then Game Boy Advance, and then maybe end it with with GameCube or um, I don't know where you'd go after GameCube, I suppose. Maybe start. Yeah, <laughs> There's I guess, no other DS, consoles. <laughs> DS and Wii would be really hard to throw in there. But you, you really did touch on something there that, that I feel the same way on with these Direct is that Nintendo glosses over everything. And that's really what these Directs feel like. I think that it works for the indie Directs, how they kind of really have to – they can't spend too much time on every game because they're indies. So they're, not, they're not published by Nintendo. Exactly. But with these special directs, like I feel like glossing over, like Metroid Prime was so quick, and it was like, yeah. and it's available now, and now onto a farming sim, like you know, it's just like it's so anticlimactic, it's lifeless. I really feel like that they need to, like this was the best, I think, the most recent direct anyway that had the highest quality announcements, yeah, and just the lowest impact that everything had. Like obviously they were going to end with Tears of the Kingdom, but everything just felt like lackluster and i'm just starting to really get tired of this format i think that they need to reinvent it but um i still look forward to them just like any other nintendo fan out there but yeah like pikmin 4 was in there too and um lots of really exciting things that i I wish got a little bit more of a spotlight but with e3 dead that's uh this is the best we got right now yeah yeah but uh, at least we did get some good content with it and uh Mm -hmm. i'm really excited that there was some game a little bit of gamecube love there so that's that's Mm -hmm. that's good to see and metroid prime has needed that remaster for a long long time uh we've been uh, i feel like that's been uh hinted at or in rumors for the last 10 years yeah so it was it was good to see it finally coming but uh, we also had a little bit of uh nintendo financial news just real quick um a crazy thing here mario kart 8 has now sold 50 million units Mm -hmm. which is just just insane that there's 50 million mario kart 8s out there and that's just the deluxe i mean i guess there's probably like 5 million of the wii u (laughs) ones but still uh and smash hit the 30 million mark scarlet and violet has already somehow hit 20 million making it the seventh best selling switch game which is just insane and of course uh the switch itself is now uh standing at 122 million units passing the game boy for number two all time for any nintendo console also passing the ps4 for number three all time for 
any console at all. And I guess the question then, Neil, would be, does it catch the DS and PS2 at around 150 million? Yeah, DS at 154 million, and then PS2 at 158 million. That's the uh, that's the juggernaut to beat. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I hope it does beat the DS. I think that would be really cool, but I really don't think so. I, I was thinking about this a lot this week, actually, just especially after getting Nintendo's Direct and thinking like, okay, what else is left on on uh, on Switch? Like, we're gonna get Pikmin, which isn't gonna sell a ton of units. We might still get Metroid Prime Four. I'm assuming. Again, that won't sell a lot of units. We're getting Zelda. That will sell quite a few units. We'll probably get one more mainline Pokemon game and maybe one or two more spin-off Pokemon games. Those always sell quite a few units. I really think that most people now that are buying the Switch are mostly kids that are aging into the, the age of video gaming. Um, yep. Like kids that are seven, eight years old getting their first console or adults like us who are maybe buying their second or third Switch because they've worn out their old ones or they're looking for an upgrade. So taking all of that into account, I think the Switch will probably cap out at about 140 million is going to be my guess, which yeah. is about 14 million below what the DS sold, which like, I got to say, that's probably twice what I said that the Switch was going to sell back in 2017 <laughs> when they announced this console. I didn't think the thing had a prayer of selling more than 50 million. <laughs> yeah, you and I both. I mean, we did not, we did not believe it was going to do that well. We knew it was going to do better than the Wii U. Obviously. Of course. God, I hope so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but Clearly, we, we... there was definitely hype around the Switch back in 2017, way more than yes. the Wii U had in 2012. <laughs> yeah, we we were pretty... Like there's there's a certainty around it that it might have been the last big console released by Nintendo. So we wanted to be there for day one. That was kind of the mm-hmm. whole thing. And yeah, to see it sell 122 million units, and, and I agree, probably will end up selling 140. Obviously, it depends what they do end up doing for their, their next kind of version of this if they just end up doing a switch pro that kind of stays in line with the switch line kind of like how ds and 3ds uh did theirs where they kind of lasted for about 10 years each uh that could happen Mm -hmm. but um yeah who knows neil the future is uh well maybe someone from the future can tell us when they (laughs) when they get there Maybe. The future for the Switch, I think, is still very bright. We're going to get, like you said, indies on that thing for probably, I'm going to say another four to seven years. Like, that's a huge, that's a huge window, I know, but I think the Switch is going to have a lot of support. Nintendo's going to have a hard time getting people to jump onto the next console, but like we've seen here, once they come out with Mario Kart and Pokemon, people will move over by the boatloads uh, to whatever their next console is, and I look forward to starting to hear news of that next console probably within the next few years. That's right, Neil. That's right. Mm -hmm. But Mike, I think that it's time that we move on to uh, one of our favorite segments from the GameCube Was Cool podcast and bring it over to Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it, Neil. It's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into the show, you can do so by leaving us a review on whatever podcast service you listen to us on, or you can leave us a message on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. We will read those messages on the podcast, just like Mike, who wrote into us today. Well, we have a mailbag here from... Uh, Apple Podcast Japan, if you can believe Ooh. it, which is really awesome. I didn't know that uh, our podcast went to Japan, but I guess that makes sense. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're worldwide, Neil. We are viral. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a five-star review from PD West, uh, who says, from GameCube fans to GameCube fans, fantastic podcast about one of the best video game consoles of all time. And uh, that's true. That's uh, one of the best consoles. And as you can see, we're mm-hmm. we're just continuing by not 
talking about the GameCube today. So That's right. We're not starting from episode one again with the GameCube. That is fact. Our next letter comes in from Xander Dale on Instagram, and Xander writes, Listening to this episode, Capcom 5, and the bit where you are discussing the casting of the Mario movie, I've been waiting to see if you remember that in one of your first episodes, you discuss who should play Mario, and one of you made an off-the-cuff comment that it should be Chris Pratt. As I'm... (laughs) As I'm from the future now, this made me laugh, as, lo and behold, you willed it into existence. Xander also says that this was the episode we first said that Adrian Brody should, pray, should play Waluigi, which I think still could happen. Have they cast Waluigi yet in that movie? They have the not. Movie? Mm-hmm. So we willed Chris Pratt into existence. I, Xander, I honestly don't remember that. Nope. Uh, but, but it makes sense. I, I, I have, like, a, a fuzzy memory, I think, of you saying, like... Like joking, like, oh yeah, Chris Pratt will probably be in it because he's in everything, <laughs> and I could see that. Uh, I could see that uh, happening for us. So yeah, uh, I'm glad that we did will Chris Pratt into existence there, and that we will end up willing uh, Adrian Brody into existence because, of course, yeah. it just makes sense. Uh, and I don't know who else we cast. I think we cast. I think we might have even like mentioned Charlie Day for Luigi at some point too. We we really? I think we're pretty good. We're we're pretty good on this. And Xander, if if you are from the future, let us know what's going on for uh, F Zero GX and mm. if that's coming to the Switch anytime soon. Yes, Xander the, the, is the now the official historian and future. <laughs> Orion of the uh, of unlocking what was cool podcast. I love that uh, folks out there have listened to us and they're listening to the old episodes and they're reminding us what what we said because frankly I don't remember a single thing we said in <laughs> any of those 125 episodes. So I appreciate people bringing up our past uh, predictions and uh, letting us know what came true and what didn't. So that's really cool. But Mike, I think that it's time that we moved on to the topic of our first episode of our newest project. What do you think? Let's do it, Neil. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show all about all things retro that we love from our past. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people named Mike and Neil, and we're still the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so we can make the show better and find a bigger audience. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash what was cool. Supporters get the option to submit and vote on topics for our Patreon episode every month and we'll get access to bonus content whenever we decide to make that we love you all over there last year we finally finished our two and a half year project the gamecube was cool podcast we covered all 555 north american gamecube games one by one sometimes 12 by 12 if you haven't already go back and check out all those episodes this week we are kicking off our new show with a game and franchise that both mike and i have fond memories of the perfect game to return to podcasting with and it just received a remake on switch we are here today to talk about the classic wii title kirby's return to dreamland mike this is more of a a you game i would say you're the kirby fellow of our uh of our podcast i would say i do like kirby i like the pink boy he's uh (laughs) uh, i've always had an affinity with him for sure and that's because of smash i always picked him in smash ever since n64 because he was very good in n64 Mm. and then he became very bad in melee and you know he's kind of gone through the ringer a couple times but i think in the new one he's he's pretty solid i like playing as him but yeah kirby the last time we talked about this little guy was on episode 48 uh when we did the gamecube was cool and uh we talked about kirby's air ride which Mm. was the only kirby game on the gamecube which was really disappointing because there was a lot of projects in the works to bring kirby to the gamecube because obviously the air ride is a good game but it's it's not really a kirby game it's really just a racing game uh mm-hmm. that has kirby in it and we had friend of the show jake on for that and he talked about uh all the arenas and everything with that game and 
how it was really fun. There was a lot of stuff to do in it, but the kind of issue was that people knew Kirby as the platformer. You know, it right. was it was the 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 platform game that had done quite well. Obviously, it doesn't sell like Gangbusters, as one <laughs> as you would say, Neil. But mm. uh, but it still sells very steadily. There's there's especially nowadays there seems to be a Kirby game every year, uh, in some sense. So so Kirby has a lasting impact. And uh, I was looking at our notes for episode forty eight, and you you had a really good point, Neil, which was that Kirby might be more popular as as a character than he is than the games are really. Oh, definitely. Like selling plushies and uh, backpacks and T-shirts, I would say. A lot of Kirby games, they don't sell crazy well. They're a bit like the Metroid franchise where they sell around a million units each for the most part. The only standout one there is the highest selling game in the franchise, which is Kirby and the Forgotten Land, 5.3 million units on Switch. That's the most recent one before Return to Dreamland Deluxe, which just came out. We'll see where that one lands. And they don't even track sales of the Kirby games that sell less than a million units. And there are a few of those in Kirby's 38 entries on Nintendo hardware, all on handheld and console units. Um, like you said, the GameCube generation was pretty short on Kirby console games. We only got Air Ride, which was a racing game, a very good racing game that mm-hmm. we talked about back on our GameCube episode. Kirby's 2D platforming uh, adventures were kind of kept alive on, or they, they were kept alive on uh, Game Boy Advance and DS in that generation, while Nintendo was really struggling to figure out what to do with the uh, with the pink ball, it seemed. Return to Dreamland was supposed to be on GameCube, but because of all of the... Um, because of all of the revisions that it had to go through, they eventually landed on uh, Return to Dreamland, which didn't come out until 2011, which is almost 10 years after the last console game being uh, Air Ride. So big hiatus for uh, for Kirby, which is surprising because since the GameCube generation, I think really since maybe the Wii U generation, it feels like Kirby has been an annualized franchise. Yeah, no, it is really surprising. And you did forget one title there, Epic Yarn, Neil, that came out Ah, just before Return to Dreamland. Uh, I was actually going to just kind of quickly go through Kirby and his my my selection of his games, because as you said, there are 38 of them. So I'm not going to name all of them. Of course, we have Dreamland coming out for Game Boy 1992. That's when he was born. He was Mm -hmm. birthed in 1992. Uh, I don't want to picture that. Of course, uh, uh, Kirby, as some of you might know, because we did say this on episode 48, um, that Kirby is named after lawyer John Kirby, who helped Nintendo fight uh, Universal uh, when they were in their their kind of King Kong slash Donkey Kong battle uh, back in the day. So this mm. was uh, this was kind of their their homage to him and uh, uh, and gave him, uh, put his name on this character. And Kirby didn't actually have a real design forever, and they were they were using Kirby's design as it is now as a placeholder right. and. You, you know how that goes. Look at Project Triangle or whatever, all that stuff. Uh, Project Octopath Traveler. If you say, if you if you have something just as a placeholder, it's going to stay probably. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Kirby just did stay as that little pink ball. And um, Dreamland was his first one in 1992. Like I said, Dreamland 2 came out in 1995 for the Game Boy. Uh, in 97, Dreamland 3 came out for the SNES, which is very late. And it is the last SNES game published. By Nintendo. Uh, weird that that did not make its way to N64, but we of course got Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards on the N64, a very popular game for sure. Uh, Kirby Air Ride on GameCube, like we said. 2004, we had Amazing Mirror on Game Boy Advance, kind of keeping the franchise alive there. And then uh, 2010's Epic Yarn, which came out on Wii, which is a very good game. I think we got a remake slash remaster of that uh, not too long ago as well. 
We did on 3DS. More of like a remaster. Well, it was a port, really. It wasn't... Mm. The 3DS is not really that much powerful than the Wii. It just took away <laughs> the pointer controls and everything and made it playable on a gamepad and everything. So not a bad right. port, actually. I played that. It's a good... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun game. I, I mm-hmm. really like the art style for Epic Yarn, yeah. for sure. Me too. Uh, and, you know, like like Yoshi's Woolly World, kind of in mm. that same vein. We love that. <laughs> Return to Dreamland, of course, like we're talking about today in 2011. 2016 had Planet Robobot on the 3DS. 2018 had the first Switch uh, mainline uh, edition here with Star Allies. In 2022, Forgotten Land, the uh, game that we know where Kirby can suck up massive cars, which, of course, <laughs> is so fun and became a, a great meme and 2023 we have the uh deluxe edition of return to dreamland so why don't we jump into return to dreamland itself neil sure thing kirby's return to dreamland was released on october 21st 2011 developed by hal laboratory published by nintendo it was also playable on wii u and it's now been ported to switch it rates an 8 out of 10 priced today at around 60 dollars it's a platformer and also a multiplayer platformer a genre that really picked up in popularity again in the wii in the Wii generation, sold around 1.31 million copies. And it's also known as Kirby's Adventure Wii in Europe and Australia and Hoshi no Kirby Wii in Japan. Very nice. Yeah, well, you know, he, I guess he didn't return to Dreamland in Europe. He, he went somewhere else. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So what do you think about the uh, return to Dreamland or the Dreamland series uh, with Kirby? You've played a little bit of the Game Boy one. Now we're getting a, a remaster on the Wii or a remake. I don't know what to call it. Uh, would you say that this is probably the best Kirby game? Or have you have you played many of the, uh, the spinoffs? I don't know if I've ever asked you that before. I honestly haven't. Uh, the only games that I've really played were Dreamland and Dreamland 2 uh, for the, uh, the Game Boy. And I... Uh, played Air Ride, of course, mm-hmm. and I I have a little bit of history with Crystal Shards. I I remember not really liking that game though. I thought it was I thought I think for me Kirby when I played it at the time. I think for me Kirby was very much like just a two D boy and like right. uh, and and a handheld guy. So it was weird to play him on a console. And I think you know the the controller didn't help for me <laughs> as a kid either, of course. Um, but. No, R- Return to Dreamland was really the first one that I had played in a while. Uh, I played it with friend of the show, Jake, who will be coming on shortly, and some of her other friends in university because we had a Wii in our dorm room. And I, I guess Jake had picked up uh, the, a copy of Return to Dreamland, and he's obviously a big Kirby fan, so we were playing it. I liked Kirby from the games and, and playing him in Smash, of course. So uh, it was cool to kind of play these levels again and... Uh, and and see the similarities to, to Dreamland, of course, and and the homage to it. But it's certainly not mm-hmm. just like a a cut and paste in that sense. And I think I think some people thought it was at first uh, that it was very much just like these are the Dreamland levels, and now you will be playing them again. It was it was very much just like this is what Dreamland was like, you know, and this is what Dreamland would be like today if it was made. And I right. think that's what why this game is actually very good is because of how the developers kind of took that approach. Mind you, they took that approach over 10 years and <laughs> took a long time to get there. But I think that really helped creating this this world and creating the, this environment that, that made you feel like you were back in 90, 1992 without having the, the 1992 graphics, but also without just completely ripping off your old game. And I think that's something that a lot of games do today in a bad way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Like, I know that, like, sometimes when remakes come out, they they, they really lose what made the game special when they first came out. Um, this game is not exactly a complete port. It's literally not a port of the Game Boy 
the Game no, Boy it, original it, game. It, it, it's it just a says name only. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's it's yeah, it's definitely a sequel. It, but it is kind of interesting though that they called it Return to Dreamland, a game from 1992, which, like you said, that's for 2011, 92, what 19 years. And for the most yeah. part, Kirby games are targeted towards children, like kids mostly under the age of 10. Not to say that adults don't enjoy Kirby. You do, and I enjoyed this game too. But I think it would have been good, and I, we can talk about this more towards the end of the episode and our final thoughts about uh, Kirby Return to Dreamland. But I always feel like with some of these sequels or remasters or remakes, I really wish that the original game is in the package as well. Yes. Like, like Return to Dreamland, like, it sounds cool, but, like, most people in 2011 didn't play Dreamland in, you know, when they were kids. And if they did, you know, they probably played it later on, uh, emulated or on the Wii Virtual Console. So I always kind of like, kind of sigh and think like, man, I really wish that there would have been a way to play the original game. Now, this is not a port. It's more of a sequel, but we can talk more about it with the uh, the Kirby Deluxe game that uh, that just came out. But yeah, this game was in development hell for quite a while. Uh, it was mm. first showed off in 2005 at E3. And we talked a lot about 2005 in our last podcast uh, a lot of games that were announced in 2005 came out on gamecube as uh, as they as they should have been but this game took six years uh to come out and they eventually they went through three different iterations of this game before they finally landed on uh kirby return to dreamland but a lot of the ideas that they came up with uh in the in in the making of this game were eventually scrapped and reused for uh, Epic Yarn came up as well as Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which we finally got a few years ago, and that seemed to pay off pretty well. Forgotten Land, a bit more of a 3D platformer rather than the 2D platformer, but it's nice to see that they were able to use a lot of those mechanics in future Kirby games. But I guess with 10 years of development, you got to use that, got to use that stuff for something. But <laughs> 2011 for a Wii game is very late in the Wii's life. It is. It is. Yeah. And so it's funny that it was going to be late in the GameCube's life and then it ended up being <laughs> late in the Wii's one as well. Yeah. And I think I think this did pay off because I, I'm not sure how this actually would have been on uh, or looking on the GameCube at this time. I think it did improve graphics wise, like playing it again with you uh, this week. It looks great mm-hmm. on the Wii. Like it, it looks fantastic. I think that's exactly the kind of animation that you would want for the Wii. Uh, having it in that format, I, I'm not sure if the GameCube would have been able to really be able to to to, to do it credit or give it credit in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it still probably would have been okay on GameCube. But I, it also would have been too late. I think. I think oh, it would have sold. It would have sold half as much. It would have sold yeah. at best 500,000 copies. It, yeah. This late in the Wii's life cycle, there were over 100 million Wii's out in the yeah. wild. Uh, it sold one percent, which is not great uh, in its hatch rate. Probably less than one percent, all in all. Uh, which is too bad, but you're totally right. This game looks and sounds really good on mm-hmm. Wii. I think it probably would have sounded fine on GameCube too, but the orchestrated music is incredible. The way Kirby plays is really good. He plays similarly to how he plays in Brawl, I think yes. anyway. Kirby, he doesn't feel quite the same as he does in Melee, and I think maybe if they had put this out on GameCube, A, it would have sold abysmally, like you said, and Kirby <laughs> might have also not as felt as good to play as. I think. I think as a platformer, this game feels really good 12 years later like it, he's still very floaty it's still a, a bit of a slow game but that's the point of kirby games um but it hasn't aged really a day it still feels no. just like a wii game a 2d platformer did in the 20 in the early 2010s like there's no frame rate dips nothing even with four players on screen it doesn't get too choppy nothing, nothing like i said textures don't pop it's very smooth it's uh very crisp it's very fun from start to finish it's a chill game that you can play with friends on the couch and and still be able to hold a conversation without getting too frustrated exactly and i think that that helps a lot 
for the different kind of demographics who would be playing this. Mm-hmm. You know, people like us, we can just, yeah, hang out. Like when I, when I was with Jake, hung out, hanging out in the dorm, just playing it. And, and uh, you know, a pretty chill, calm game. Uh, but for uh, uh, a little kid playing it with their friends, it can get pretty chaotic, which is great. <laughs> and it has a good difficulty level in that sense. I did want to mention something about, because you, you said Brawl, mm. and I just made me think of it. it. It actually works out really well that it came out for the Wii and after Brawl came out because... You can, for people who had never played Kirby games before, they can really identify the Meta Knight and DDD characters so much better now. Obviously, True. they had a, such a big impact with Brawl, uh, especially Meta Knight, as we know, being like <laughs> the most broken character in Brawl. Right. Uh, and uh, and their movesets are almost identical to Brawl's movesets as well. So for me, at least, playing this game for the first time with Jake, I, of course, had played Brawl on my own Wii. And I was like, wow, this is, I can pick this up right away. Like, I love mm-hmm. playing DDD. I love playing DDD when I would play Brawl. So it was just, a, it was a good instant connection that I could have. And I think that probably helped a lot of people enjoy this game even more. I think that's a good point. Definitely. I was even trying to use Kirby's down B where he turns yeah. into a rock or whatever and uses yeah. his weight to, to smash characters. But uh, you need to be, you need to have a very specific uh, item equipped to, to use that, which is kind of cute. Um, lots to love about this game. And like you said, Mike, you have really interesting stories around playing this game back in the day in university with your friend Jake. So I think that it's time that we, uh, we bring him onto the show to talk about his memories of the game as well. Yes, Neil, I think that is a good idea. So with that, Jake, Before welcome we get into to the game itself. Jake, cool, we got to ask course, you, uh, thank you as always for coming on, and, uh, Bandana D, DDD, uh, Kirby, and Meta Knight. Who would you choose in, in multiplayer for this game? It's got to gotta be DDD. What, what kind of question is that? <laughs> you, if you don't pick DDD, I'm suspect of you. I, it should really look like four DDDs every single time. <laughs> I don't want to see anything else. A DDD standalone game would actually be really cool at this point. I feel like we've had... He's never had one. He's no. never had one, no. Like, we've had Bowser, we had Bowser's Inside Story on DS. I feel like it's time for DDD to get that kind of treatment, I think, where maybe not the whole game, but maybe games where you play, like, certain levels or there's, like, complete side missions where you play as him. Something like that DS game would be fantastic. Jake, your answer is correct also. Uh, DDD That's is right. definitely the, the best uh, best one to choose. I always cho- uh, choose him, but I don't think you can have four DDDs, unfortunately. I think you can only have three because one person always has to be Kirby because it's still a Kirby you game. You have to play Kirby. Oh, that sucks, man. Ever since the like Team DDD made that show on the Fox box, ever since then, the Kirby IP has really all been about King DDD, in my opinion. <laughs> And S. Cargoon, of course. A oh, close second, but... Close, very close second, of course. Uh, King DDD, uh, of course, being the ruler of Dreamland. And Kirby's enemy at some point, and then his friend at other points. Yeah. Jake, do you know the lore for that one? I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of like... um, I, I just kind of consider King DDD like, kind of like a Mr. Krabs. Like, he's his greed <laughs> kind of makes him antagonistic sometimes towards Kirby. But, like, deep down, he's a... Uh, He's a friend He's the of the venom show of the uh, Kirby's Dreamland uh, universe, I suppose. I think that I've heard, I've heard that this game. There's so many Kirby games, I haven't played them all, but oh, yeah. I think that this game actually starts off where one of the Game Boy, or I guess it's DS, one of the DS games ends because the the game starts off. The cutscene is Kirby's got a piece of cake or something like that. He trips and falls and then spills the cake. Unfortunately, it's very <gasps> dramatic, very dramatic opening to a video game. Uh, but I think that that's how one of the DS games ends. But they don't really do a great job of describing why Meta Knight and DDD are. Uh, friends with Kirby, but I mean, it's Nintendo. They never really explain why any of the uh, protagonists and antagonists ever get together and uh, 
have parties and play uh, and do kart <laughs> racing and whatnot. You just have to kind of suspend disbelief a little bit while you're while you're uh, playing this game. The fact that they had the cake continuity between two separate <laughs> games and like chose that plot thread to pick up is uh, really says it all. I don't know I if this wrong, game was made by Hal Laboratories, but it God was. Bless. Okay, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Hal themselves coming in here, uh, of course, makers of the Smash Bros. games as well. Uh, that's w- w- I was glad in Smash Bros. Ultimate that we did get confirmation that Kirby is the true main character uh, in that trailer uh, where yes. everyone else dies, <laughs> and he's the last one standing. I didn't process that, but yes, <laughs> you're right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a Hal game. It's Sakurai's game. Sakurai, of course, being the godfather of Kirby himself. Right. Uh, and uh and it's actually you know, not it's actually not Sakurai's game. Sorry to cut you off there, Mike, oh. but uh Sakurai actually didn't work on Kirby after two thousand four. He was done at this point. Wow. So Sakurai oh. didn't even care about Dreamland. No. Nope. Or the return to it. He threw up his middle finger when they, when he found out he they were making this game. He's like, <laughs> Screw that. I'm I mean he was in the dungeons of uh, Smash Bros. development at this point. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So did he work on the um, Kirby and the Crystal Shards, or was that after? Uh, the last game that he worked on was Kirby and the Amazing Mirror in 2004, which I believe is a Game Boy Advance Kirby game. That was uh, mm-hmm. that was it for him. Okay. So I think he would have done some gotcha. work on uh, Air Ride on GameCube, and then mm-hmm. it was Brawl, and then uh, Smash Bros. on uh, on Wii U, and I think he did some work on Kid Icarus on 3DS, and then Smash Bros. on on Switch. And uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm sure retirement has got to be on the horizon for him, but uh, who the hell knows? But you can tell that this game, even though Sakurai is not involved in it, you can tell it has a lot of people who worked with Sakurai involved on it, uh, involved on the game, because the game itself feels like you're playing a Sakurai game. Like, it feels like the bones from Smash Bros. are here. Like, the menus are all real crisp, real snappy. The music is incredibly cinematic. Uh, we can talk about the soundtrack a lot more later, but even the way Kirby controls, it feels like you're just playing a, a side a side quest in a Smash game. Like those levels yeah. that you could play with just one character, instantly feels like you're playing Kirby from Smash without uh, without battling. Four I was going to say, as I recall, the um, the game itself did have side games too, which mm-hmm. is a very Sakurai thing. Like I feel like every game he touches has been absolutely riddled with just like <laughs> Sakurai's like the ultimate idea guy. He just comes up with like, hey, what if like. I don't know if he did the po- he probably did the Pokemon Stadium ones, but that kind of thing. Like every Kirby game has had those those side games. Smash has been all side games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't played Ultimate recently, but I'm gonna assume they're still there. Uh, fighting the hundred man fighting wireframe team is a great <laughs> childhood memory for uh, many people, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, even Subspace Space uh, Emissary is. Uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit, I think, actually on the Kirby's Air Ride episode where that was rumored to have been basically the lost Kirby game that was supposed to be for GameCube. Uh, some of those assets really? uh, definitely got uh, used for Smash Bros. I think against Hell Laboratories working on it. Um, and we talked earlier in the episode about how uh, there was no true Kirby game for the GameCube other than Air Ride, which was what we brought you on for uh, back on episode 48 uh, way back when, <laughs> and and that was uh, yeah, that was not a true Kirby game. It was just a, it was a racing game. Of course, had some good elements in it, but um, we had to wait until 2011 to get the first true console Kirby game, and since Crystal Shards. So, uh, Jake, what are your first memories of playing Return to Dreamland? You know what? It's funny because it's like I have very vivid memories of Air Ride, and I, I have very vivid memories of Crystal Shards for some reason. But if you go back and play both, like neither are actually amazing games. Like Air Ride is was a beautiful mistake that was not a very good racing game, but ascended to legend because of its, you know, because of its uh, city trial mode, yes. which is carried by co-op. Crystal Shards is a fun game, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, combining powers is awesome. It's it's the level design is also very very engaging and fun. But it, you know it's a it's a side scrolling platformer. There, Nintendo had already done it better, I think, on that console. Um, Return to Dreamland is it's ironic because it's probably the most competent game of the three, like in just in terms of quality. But I, it's I don't know if it's because the formula had been done so much, or maybe it, w- it was later sort of outshone by the Donkey Kong games that would come out. All I can really remember is the co-op, and and I would say I would give the the co-op credit because if I, I believe um they had the system where you could drop in any time, right? Like you didn't have to go from yes. a menu. Yeah, your friend could and just out, pick you up could a drop controller. Out too. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Just in terms of accessibility, especially because when well when Mike and I played it, we were in university, so uh, you know we didn't always have the same uh, class schedule. But it was awesome because you know if, if Mike came by or Brian came home from class or Harrison came home from class. You know, no matter who, what we were doing, they could join the game anytime. So I think that was really a, a masterstroke decision and a beautiful design feature. Uh, as you said, you know, the, the music was great. The, the level design, you know, was fun, colorful. You know, it's a solid 8 out of 10 game. Um, but it certainly, I, I don't know why it's it's less in my memory than the other two. I, I don't want to chalk it up to nostalgia, but perhaps that's... Um, no, it's a good, that's a really good point. And I think yeah. partly because Neil and I were, were playing it this week, of course, to, to, you know, do some research, remember the game. And uh, and I told Neil, you know, he picked it up and I told him like, look, it, this game is best played multiplayer. You know, that's where, <laughs> right. that's where the fun of it is for sure, because of the things you just talked about with co-op. And mm-hmm. that's what we had fun doing in university for sure. Uh, and I think for us, uh, why, and I don't have huge memories of it either, other than it just being a really, really solid game, is because when we were playing it, we were kind of just like hanging out. We we're just like talking while we were playing this game. There wasn't a lot of uh, super difficult moments. Uh, so it was almost like a, a very laid back style of gaming. Uh, where yeah. you could kind of just pick up the controller, pick up your 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 Wii mote and 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 tilt it horizontally, so you would use the the two button as jump, <laughs> as mm-hmm. you do. It's <laughs> the only uh, button you need in this game, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it was you know very casual in that sense until you would get to uh, some of the the harder bosses in the later levels, and I think that's why I as well kind of had those that kind of lost for, for the memories of it. Dreamland on Game Boy, vivid memories of, of first playing that with that green tint, that mm. puke green uh, tint and, and going through those levels. But yeah, I think just the fact that it is such a solid game uh, almost makes it less memorable because there's Kirby games that aren't very good uh, and there's Kirby games that are are very good in spots and then other spots you you never even played them like Kirby's Air Ride like you said so yeah it's kind of interesting how your how how the mind works uh, so correct me if I'm wrong Mike I, I don't know if you remember this well but I feel like there was a feature where not a feature but a design decision where if you're playing four players let's say if one person f- falls off and dies and you're out of lives the whole team gets sent back to the last checkpoint so it doesn't carry on that's right yeah. 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 Okay. So the reason why I think that popped into my head is because when you're saying like you were just kind of saying it was a bit like a social lubricant, like we were just kind of playing the game, but it was really just an excuse for the four of us to just like sit around and shoot it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of the it wasn't a hard game for sure. It wasn't challenging, but I think you know about halfway through, they started to develop a political system where if one player wasn't getting their way or if the player was like <laughs> getting dunked on, they started intentionally griefing and like jumping off and getting it. <laughs> Just to kind of hold the whole party yes. hostage. <laughs> I do remember this. Yeah. So yeah, there was like that kind of political metagame developed just out of the the good old um, 
in the confines of of four player split screen, which sadly RIP in the year 2023. But four player split screen on a no more than like a 23 inch TV. <laughs> no, it was a little had. silver, that little silver piece of garbage that we're all <laughs> squinting to see. Yeah, it was basically like a melee CRT monitor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the setup in the dorm room, which was a <laughs> good time and good memories in there. And and my favorite memory of all time, I ta- Neil, it's funny, Neil remembers this better than I did because I guess I must yeah. have told him and he, <laughs> he kind of uh, uh, kept it. But it's one of my favorite memories too is when we were facing the final boss yes. in this game. But Mega Magalar, basically, right. he comes out and it turns out he was the villain all along. Spoilers, uh, by the way. <laughs> big spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I know the Kirby lore is deep, but Magalar, he does have a redemption arc, but he he is the villain here uh, at the end. And it's actually quite a hard battle. That, that final boss battle is about 10 minutes long mm-hmm. if you're doing it really well. And it can last for a lot longer than that if you have four people where one person dies a lot, like Jake said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, that boss battle lasted a long time so long that um we actually ended up being late for class because the four of us oh, were playing this <laughs> <laughs> and our the floor that we were on in residence was a floor of everyone in our uh, in the same kind of uh, studies so we were all in the same classes together and so we would all usually go to class at the same time it was just kind of a uh, a ritual and i remember playing this game with you me harrison and uh brian and the four of us mm-hmm. were, were were playing Kirby, doing our best, and uh, uh, we I think we kept dying, or we were just close to to, to beating Magalore himself. And uh, our other friends were kind of outside, being like, "Are are you guys coming? It's it's like we gotta go." It's like, "Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on." And it, that fight ended up lasting so long, and we looked, and we're like, "Oh my god, it's already like twenty minutes into class. We gotta get going." So <laughs> yeah, but they don't understand how important it was that we defeated Magalore. We like needed to defeat him. We we never would have been able to do it. If someone had to stop. Someone had to stop him. And I mean, you remember this story, but do you remember what you learned in that class that you were late for? Right. So like that, like that story, you learned so much more from Kirby's Return to Dreamland than you ever did in that university class. I could be completely wrong, but no, I remember. Oh, you're I remember completely, completely right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what class it was. There's no oh, way. <laughs> I wish I wish I had those memories with this game. I really just remember because I think Mike, you told me the story when I I came over to your guys' place in uh, in London. Sure. And yeah. uh, and Jake had his his Wii games there. It was only like five or six games, and I. I was just sifting through the stack and you had you had the hits you know you had like uh mario kart and and melee and and uh i think i think there was zelda in there and maybe one of the rpgs it was either pandora's tower or xenoblade i can't remember which one it was Uh, i know what you're talking about it was final fantasy crystal chronicles and it was it was hot (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay, I I figured it was like this is one of these games that I'm never going to touch. Uh, yep. And then there was this Kirby's Return to Dreamland, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And Mike was like, "Yo, this game is awesome." And I was like, "I I doubt it, but okay." <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, like M- Mike is right though. Like this is definitely a a multiplayer experience. Like I was playing this game this month leading up to, and Mike came over by myself, and I was like. Dude, are you sure you want to talk about this on the show? Like, it's a bit of a boring game. Like, it's a, it's a fine <laughs> platformer, and it's aged fine. The graphics look okay, and it's it's easy, and it's it's bright and colorful, and the music is fantastic. But what's so special about it? And Mike was like, "No, no, we're gonna play it together, and you'll understand." And I totally did. Like, it was a lot of fun to play together, to see the characters interact with each other on on screen. Uh, the way that Mike and I, and my even my fiance, she jumped in and out playing. Uh, we could just shoot the. Sh- on the couch for for two hours while we were playing and before we knew it we played a quarter of the game that night eh? yeah like in like an hour and a half we, yeah. we uh, i turned it on the next day and we were at like 27 percent felt like no time had passed at all so it's a really cool experience with two players i love the way that like jake said i think um 
the characters interact with each other on screen. Like you can piggyback on each other. You can jump off of each other. Kind of like what they did in Super Mario Bros. Wii. A similar idea. This game is a little bit uh, easier than that game, I would say. Uh, it's quite a bit more floatier. It's a Kirby game, so you already know. <laughs> um, but there's even little small details that each character has in each level. Like Mike and I were just pointing out little things that characters did. Like Kirby in water, for some reason, is super fun in this game. Like when he yeah. floats, he's got like a little, he has floaties on. Like when he surfaces in water and when he goes <laughs> underwater, he's got goggles on. Like he's got little scuba goggles on and like and the, the fish, fish in the levels, yeah. the fish have the goggles on too, for some reason. I don't know what's wrong with the fish in this world, but this game is bursting with charm. Like the characters, yeah. facial expressions are all really good. Um, there's all those little details. Like I mentioned there when Kirby goes in and out of water or floats a specific way. And then of course the game is iconic for all of its uh, different outfits and power-ups that you get depending on the characters that you suck up or, uh, whatever, um, emblems you you jump through i guess to uh, to collect them and uh i guess uh that, that brings me to my next question for jake do you have a do you have a favorite power-up in this game okay so this was the game where they kind of just did the super power-ups right which mm-hmm. were for lack of a better you know word they're basically just sacrifice like hey remember when we did final smashes yes let's just give kirby <laughs> a final smash yes and he'll, he'll, do, he'll go to the center of the screen he'll do a little a- animation and it'll go <laughs> A big fire beam and it'll swing a big sword um oh uh, yeah i'm gonna say the big boring answer but the big sword like it, again it, it just goes back to the fact that i could probably name you some of the unique power-ups from crit, uh, crystal shards i couldn't name any of the basic power-ups from this game i was kind of the same way the only one i really remembered was the whip uh the whip. oh, oh yeah, yeah 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 that's yeah. a good one it was a lot of fun to do because you also needed the whip for a lot of sections uh, to get certain gears mm-hmm. and secrets. Because um, I'm not sure, have we even explained what the real plot is of this game yet, Neil? Nope, nope. You can go ahead and maybe go over that real quick while you're, yeah, <laughs> good idea. Well, basically, Magalore, you know, his his ship has, has gotten destroyed. Uh, and you, him, uh, Kirby and his friends have to help him out and get those parts back to the ship. So each world you can get a, a big ship part from, and that's what the final boss has in each one. Uh, and then also there's all these gears to collect throughout the levels. And there's usually like three or four gears in each each area. Uh, and they're kind of hidden around. Think of that like the Yoshi star or Yoshi coins in Super Mario Bros. Uh, same kind of idea there. Uh, they're often actually really hard to find. I was playing the new version of Return to Dreamland uh, this week, and I was having some trouble finding all the gears in some of the later levels. So it was they're pretty well hidden. But um, yeah, I guess those are to help him build his ship. No, those gears are to unlock mini games. Uh, well, no, you... but I mean like in like in the lore, you know what like what oh, Kirby's sure. actually using. That that, yeah. <laughs> that particular gear for is to right. uh, to put on one of the wings of his, of Magalore's ship, and Kirby and his friends have to fight him and bring him back to the good side, which he you know he does. He repents, and in the new game, there's Magalore's epilogue of him uh, going through the the lost dimensions and uh, and finding his way. So it's a it's it's a fun story. There's you know not 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 too much to it, but that's fine. There doesn't need to be. It's just a Kirby game, just for fun. With that, with too with talking about levels, uh, alternate dimension I think is the the final level that you're at where you do face him. Uh, do you remember any of the other levels in here, Jake? Does anything stand out to you? I know you said that there aren't a lot of super crisp memories, but sure. I mean, there's. Green world, um, <laughs> blue blue bowl, blue water zone, 
Uh, all the levels are named after food in this game, which I thought was clever. But I can exa- yes. I can picture exactly what you're talking about when you're saying this, <laughs> which is funny. I think I think the most iconic level in the game is the first one, just because it's got the boss that's in all the Smash Bros. games, which is the tree. Wispy um, Woods. Yeah, yeah Wispy, Wispy Woods. Woods. That that's the one that everybody talks about. It's like uh, Sonic's Green Hill Zone. It's the uh, yep. that's the Kirby level. And it, it, it feels like the original level in Dreamland as well. Uh, yep. uh, you and I were playing Dreamland on the Switch's Game Boy uh, emulator uh, this week as well to kind of get into uh, to that game too. And yeah, it was funny how how similar those are, especially the way Kirby controls, which was, I know, something you talked to me about offline, Neil, is, uh, and, and Jake, you can weigh on this too, but a franchise like Kirby that's been around for over 30 years now uh, controls basically the same way as the very first time you ever picked up a Kirby game. Yeah, I think that's true, but that's just like speaks to the simplicity of the formula. Like, why change perfection? Same yeah. thing with like if, if you know if you're talking about Mario Galaxy, right? Like, is Mario Galaxy noticeably different from Super Mario 64 besides throwing the cap around? No, a lot of the yeah. jump mechanics are exactly the same. Actually, you could you could probably beat the game with one button. Uh, you could just do. Yeah, you could. You could. No, you could yeah, you'd, you'd have to throw the cap, but then you'd have to do the jumps. Um, yeah. But you know, Nintendo's just a master at at getting the formula right the first time and proving that the game doesn't have to be mechanically complex to have to be fun and to be challenging. Like even if it's only you don't have to press two buttons, you can still make challenging puzzles that will test your your um, your execution of right. Yeah, that's the nice thing with Kirby that it's like. There's never that frustration level, right? Of like some games, and 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 I think that's like people will be like Kirby's for babies, <laughs> you know, and, and and it's it's like like in some senses it is for kids. It's literally made for kids. It's like mm-hmm. supposed to be like the first platformer that you play to get your get you into this world. But in other senses, it's not at all. Like it's it's very much a a, a great pick up and play game with friends, especially this one, uh, and it's great to just play a game that's not super frustrating all the time. Like, man, like, my life is playing, like, Souls games that are just <laughs> only frustration, right? So right. <laughs> it's it's nice to kind of kind of go do a 180 sometimes and just enjoy, and enjoy something that was created by a team that's a very cohesive product, honestly. And I think Kirby platformers, too, are a lot... It's basically like the Yoshi platformers as well, where, yeah, they're, they're, they're as easy or as hard as you want to make them. Um, yep. Like if you just want to get through the game, beat the boss, get through all eight stages, each stage or each world only has maybe four or five levels, including the boss fight. So it's very quick. But if you want to get that challenge, like Mike said, you go back and you go and get all those collectibles that are somewhat hard to find. And then you use those gears and you unlock some of the mini games that you can uh, that you can play on uh, Magalore's ship. And I, I played a couple of them the other day too, and I was like, "Oh, this is where the challenge in the game is because you have yes. to, you know, get through a level playing as I call him Link Kirby. I don't know what else to call him, the Sword Kirby <laughs> that you guys explained. Yep, you know, you have, yep. you have to get through the level, and maybe you want to try and get three gold stars in it, and that's really hard to do because you have to beat it in a certain amount of time, and you have to kill a certain or knock out a certain number of enemies and collect a certain number of points, which means not taking any damage. And I, I didn't get any better than bronze in that thing. Like I couldn't do it, and it, it's really difficult." Um, so that's where the challenge in the game is. So you have to look for it, but it's there. And like we've talked about already, playing the game in uh, multiplayer can add a certain level of difficulty as well. If you have a friend who doesn't know what they're doing or they're trying to bring the team down, uh, it's not going to be a good time for, <laughs> for everyone else, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I did love, uh, there was one review that I read, uh, I think it was on Metacritic from back in the day, and they were talking about how playing as uh, Kirby Link 
in this game is better than Skyward Sword. And honestly, there are moments where I, I couldn't help but agree with them in uh, in that oh, review. So that's I thought so that was good. funny. That this is the best. This game is the best Zelda experience on Wii. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that that is that's that's sadly true. But I know. Uh, <laughs> um, one thing I want to mention. Do you remember at, what happens at the end of levels, Jake? Uh, is there a dance? Yes. Tell me the characters dance. Well, there is the dance. There's the Kirby dance. At dun, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, but uh, there's there's also the goal game, which is oh, uh, yeah. where you, you kind of pull down in a like a, a, a slingshot kind of. Style. You do a jump, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. I, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I'm so bad. You just had to press two. It's it's hard. <laughs> That's where the challenge is for me because I could I was playing it. I was playing the 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 remake uh, earlier today, and I was trying to do it over and over again. I could not get to one. How do you? How did you get to one, Neil? I don't know. You just have to time the button, the pressing the button at the right <laughs> point. But I do love how Nintendo does that. I it really, it really reminded me of uh, Donkey Kong, uh, Donkey Kong, no Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, where at the end of each level you just beat the hell out of the drums and then you collect the bananas that way or even at the end That's of some the of the uh, ever, <laughs> i know that was a bad one but there's also like you know the end of mario 3 where there's the um what do you do i, I guess that's more of games of chance in that one where you're just trying to stop the uh the spinning thing to try and yeah, line up it's, it's a, something a, that's like impossible uh but the kirby one is uh it's it's similar to that i like having something at the end of the level to Me do too. it's kind of like a little they get a little bonus get a few extra yeah, stars a get a, exactly yeah. maybe get a one-up get an extra life and everything which is always good maybe not in a kirby game but in certain games it's <laughs> it, it's, it's helpful yeah no it's it's true no mm-hmm. <laughs> donkey kong jungle beat no just ptsd from that huh oh my god that's like one of, that's like one of the the most disappointing games I've ever played. Sorry for 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 Jungle Beat fans out there. We did a whole Jungle Beat episode. Go back and listen to it, and you can hear me talk about how I was disappointed playing that game and how I really felt for any parents who had kids who had Jungle Beat. Did you have Jungle Beat, Jake? I had Donkey Kong. Okay, so that's 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 more okay to listen to because that's actually a rhythm of a song rather than just a constant berating of the bongos but uh mm-hmm. but with with that neil i think it's time uh that we read the back of the case for kirby's return to dreamland what do you think all right sounds good but first victor hit us with that sweet jingle it's time to read what's on the back of the case there's things written on the back of the case let's read them And now we're reading The Back of the Case. Kirby is back with all new super abilities, inhale enemies, and transform. Four-player action. Join the fun as King Diddy Day, Meta Knight, Waddle Dee, or play as four Kirby characters. Four Kirbys. You can't have four Kirbys. Yeah, and they're all different colors and, you know, pretty cute. But no, you got to have one Kirby 3 DDD. The optimal, just the loadout. I, I would accept one Waddle Dee as well. Um, I have. I don't know why. Who asked for Waddle Dee? <laughs> they needed a fourth character. I, I like that they gave him a bandana. Mean trendy, I guess. Yeah, to 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 create the new character Bandana D, who uh, the the folks really want in Smash. They really like Bandana D. Unfortunately, he died on the way back to his home planet. But, oh no! Yeah. <laughs> He didn't make it. He was, on the a, he was a little. He was a little too popular. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor, poor Bandanity. Uh, well, and of course, um, Jake. We always ask this, but uh, where do you see Kirby going forwards? So, uh, we know that there is this remake that's out. Well, you might not have known, but uh, there, there is a remake of uh, this game out right now. It's a good remake. It does things well, and 
and I, I encourage people to pick it up. But do you think this game needed a remake? I don't know who asked for it. Uh, I don't know if like Sakurai was like used his pull within Nintendo, which is like, hey, I really want to do this game again. I mean, it's a good game. I don't think anyone was like writing letters to Nintendo HQ and being like, hey, we need a remake of this game. <laughs> I would like to see Air Ride re-released with yes. online right. multiplayer. We've covered. I've been barking up that tree for years. Go back and listen to episode forty or whatever, whatever episode <laughs> I was on. And all. You'll hear me saying the same thing. Yep. Okay. Nothing if not consistent. Where I'd like to see Kirby go in the future, I just want like I just feel like there's so many Nintendo platformers, uh, and yeah. I feel like you know let's let's just give Sakurai Kirby as an outlet to do all the weird wacky concepts like it doesn't have to be a platforming game just make maybe Kirby he's going curling and just make it entirely a a, a game about playing curling mini games or you know just let let Sakurai's imagination run, run wild uh make it all online make it like a Kirby party game collection Kirby Jackbox if you will oh and uh and uh let's have fun with it you know price it 20 bucks 15 bucks not yeah, a full price game but, that's you know. not that's, yeah, that's where you lost <laughs> I'm sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right price it price it 80 bucks there you go 89.99 uh, maybe yeah <laughs> yeah I was gonna say because uh, Return to Dreamland I believe is almost or like the deluxe edition is almost a full price game if not a full oh, price game I think it's a full uh, price game yeah oh. so <laughs> what did they remaster is it noticeably better? There's more content for sure. There's more mini games. There's more. Uh, there is an entire like extra level or yeah. extra world um, in the game. So uh, the graphics are uh, are done differently. I wouldn't even say better necessarily. I think the backgrounds are certainly better, but um, the the characters themselves kind of went through the. Uh, you mentioned it, Neil. I forget what your like term for it was, but. Yeah, it's the, it's like the Super Smash Bros. 3DS-ification, I would give it. Like, the characters now have mm-hmm. a black outline around them, which, I mean, it makes them look a little bit sharper. That's why they do it. It's just to make the characters pop a little bit more. Basically, mm-hmm. the game looks pretty similar to the Wii game. The only difference is the backgrounds look quite a bit more sharp, which in, on Wii, like when Mike and I were playing it, it's, it's standard def, so not a lot of detail in the backgrounds. The characters in the foreground uh, look about the same, but adding that black texture around them just makes them pop a little bit more. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that art style. I think that it's great in Paper Mario at most, but I don't think it needs to be in uh, the Nintendo platformers. I don't think this game needed to be remade at all, to be honest with you. Kirby's already an annualized franchise. Just keep coming out with whatever the new Kirby game is. Honestly, I would have been more down for Kirby's Dream Land 3. I thought that they could have made this, like, finally kind of make it a trilogy or something. Like, have Kirby goes back to Dream Land or whatever the heck you need to call it. And... If you want to make it a, a reboot again, like that's totally fine. But maybe just include Kirby's Return to Dreamland from Wii on that game as like a, a tie-in package, like an unlockable mm-hmm. thing. The game's twelve years old at this point; like it couldn't be that hard to do, I wouldn't think. But you, you really don't need to make the game a remake. Just add new features, add new power-ups, which I think they did. They added a couple new power-ups as well. I've heard the uh, the Robo power-up is a new popular one. So yes, there's yeah. that too. And they added Magoland, which. Every time I hear it said, I keep thinking they're saying Magaland, which is a completely different thing in my mind. Than <laughs> I wanted to make I... that joke this whole podcast. <laughs> Every time just, I hear it, I'm like, waiting. that is they, they should have changed that. But uh, here we are. So anyway, I was gonna, I, while we were talking, because you guys are talking about the graphics, right? Mm. Uh, I, I Googled it. I, I looked up comparison. <laughs> Kirby looks the same. Yep. Bandana D looks the same. Mm-hmm. Meta Knight is Meta Knight. Yep. What the <laughs> fuck happened to King DDD? <laughs> he, he, do, you, do you see him? Yes. 
he looks tall. He, like he went from a cute. He, like he looks kind of cute. You know the original. I'm not yeah, saying I'm yeah. attracted to King Dedede. You know he just looks cute. <laughs> yeah. But look at the new guy. He looks like a. He looks like an angry bird. His chest is like a ball. He's gained some weight. They gave him the beady eyes. Yeah. I, I, I don't love the design of, of the characters, and especially not of my boy, DDD. Uh, no. He looks, like, he looks like if Eric Cartman was a penguin. Not, thank you! Jesus! Yeah. What a way with words. Yes. There we go. <laughs> yes, thank you. All right, yeah. What a poet over here. Eric no Cartman as a Nintendo character is basically DDD, uh, unfortunately. Uh, the game itself, like, I played it. It, it runs great. The, the number one reason that I, I am happy that the game exists is the fact that I can play on my uh, Switch Pro controller, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and play on the Switch. True. You know, like, it's great to just have it uh playing it handheld like i before this podcast like before we started recording i had my switch in the room here and i was just you know playing it a little bit uh and mm-hmm. that's great but i i think like that just begs the question it's like well it's a remake but couldn't you have just ported it and just put it on some e-shop that doesn't exist <laughs> like that yeah. that's what i really would have wanted for it right it's just the a remake wasn't necessary but you remaster would have been enough remake was unnecessary yeah yeah I agree. yeah yeah just uh, you know nintendo saw dollars and they're like well instead of making money easy easier ways like putting out mario kart 9 uh we'll instead <laughs> put out uh, uh kirby's uh, return to dreamland deluxe which is fine uh i'm glad it exists other than ddd's uh uh weird ass uh animation and character design so nintendo if you are listening to this please please change it back because jake is really unnerved by i'm this. really mad about this i'm <laughs> really mad i don't like this at all i don't like this one bit i don't like this one bit <laughs> well jake is there anything else you'd like to say about kirby or his return to the mythical dreamland before we let you go yeah yeah hashtag free ddd i'm starting i'm starting a campaign i'm going to twitter I'll see you guys there. If you care about DDD, we got to stand up, people. Hashtag stand for DDD 2023. Uh, make sure that he gets the support he needs because it's not looking good for uh, 20... the, the, the the penguin himself. But uh, Jake, it's been awesome having you on once again to talk about some Kirby. I'm sure we'll have you on again in the show. Maybe not to talk about Kirby anymore because we've talked about a GameCube game that's and right. a Wii game now. And that's it. That's it, Neil. That's <laughs> those mm-hmm. are the consoles. But uh, I'm sure we'll have you back uh, real soon. So thanks again and uh, take care. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you later, buddy. See you later. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you so much. Uh, I was going to say Neil. Thank you so much, yeah. Jake, for coming I'm on. I'm still here. Yeah, you're still here, but uh, Jake is gone. Uh, he has left us, uh, but uh, we thank him so much for coming on to talk about Kirby once again. He killed it when he came on to talk about Kirby's Air Ride uh, for uh, the GameCube, and now he's killed it again, talking about Kirby's return return to Dreamland. And yeah, I mean, I, I echo his sentiments, obviously, uh, with the, the remake. I think it's good. I think it's... I'm, I'm kind of glad it exists it was cool when it first announced or when they first announced it because of my love for this game and then as as i went on like waiting for it i saw the price i started to see the the the, the character designs i was like ah, do i really want this but it, it's still a fun game it plays really well i do like the additions that they made but um honestly like maybe my recommendation would be to just uh pick up the wii game but we'll get to that later on uh, in mm-hmm. the episode, Neil. Uh, but uh, we have a new segment that I like to, to try out. All right, hit me with it. What's the uh, what's the new segment, Mike? Uh, well, we'll let Victor uh, let us know. It's time to review that review. Wow. Okay. Review that review. That's an interesting uh, new segment here. So basically, 
the idea of the segment, Mike, I'm assuming, if you're on the same page as I am, is that we're going to go back in time, back to whenever it was that the uh, the game or movie or album or whatever it is that we're talking about came out. We're going to try and find an interesting review in that time and maybe review that reviewer and uh, see how right they were, how wrong they were, if we agree with them, if maybe we disagree with them, and uh, as a little bit of a jumping off point. So what's a review that you found about uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland from 2011? Well, I found this one from Pupido? Pupido? Uh, on Google review, like, okay. I guess, you know, you know how you, when you type something in, there's all these Google reviews. Well, there was one from 2011. Sure. <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, you know, this game isn't that old, but, uh, it, uh, it, it does, it does seem like time has flown for sure. And Pepito has said, I've only played up to, <laughs> up, up into level two. Well, that's not a great start here. <laughs> uh, nope. and I can already tell that this game is a masterpiece far better than the overhype and overblown Skyward Sword. Interesting. Another comparison there again. Um, this yeah. is a game that rivals NSMBW. Ooh. Oh, new Super Mario Bros. Wii. Thank you. Nice job. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Uh, as the best platformer on the console, it may not be incredibly difficult, but the gameplay is so varied, refined, and distilled, and the effect is pure bliss. This was the best Wii game of 2011. 2011 wasn't over when he uh, <laughs> wrote this, but that's okay. Period. I had more fun playing Kirby Link than I did playing real Link in Skyward Sword. I can't wait to get some friends and play as King DDD. Yeah, see, I think a lot of people enjoyed this game over Skyward Sword, which I think was the same year, if yes. I remember correctly. Yeah, I think Skyward Sword also came out in 2011, so it's cool that they uh, that this Pupito thinks that uh, Kirby was better than that. Honestly, I think I, I might agree uh, with that. <laughs> and uh, like with, just with the like we talked about today with everything in terms of multiplayer and controls and how the game does start off very easy. Like we we obviously know that it's a Kirby game, but it does it does age way better than Skyward Sword and. Like, I go back and forth in my mind, too, Mike, on whether or not this game needs a remake 12 years later. Um, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I think my bigger issue, and this ties back into what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, where I feel like Nintendo announced the remake last year. I mean, obviously last year, but like last June, July, like a while ago. Mm -hmm. And they spent a lot of time marketing it, building it up, revealing new things. And Metroid Prime Remastered was just kind of put out. Yeah. It should have been the other way around. And I think yes. Metroid Prime costs less than this Kirby game does. Like, it's it's completely backwards what they're doing here. Um, it's very – Nintendo is a very strange company, and that uh, that's why we love to talk about them. I found a, uh, a review here that uh, – this is a part of a much bigger review from Eurogamer. So mm. I took this snippet out, and it made me think about something that I want to try and get better at. But the end of the reviewer – the end of the review says, Kirby's Adventure – Kirby's Adventure Wii, which is what it's called in other regions, isn't bad, but set next to last year's Donkey Kong Country Returns or even Ubisoft's, Ubisoft's zesty Rayman Origins, this winter's other other platformer feels very vanilla by comparison. And just reading that that snippet just kind of made me think, you know, Kirby isn't Donkey Kong or Rayman. Kirby is Kirby. Is Kirby. Uh, the games are meant to be simple, pleasant, easy to understand platformers for kids uh, or people who just want to uh, chill and play with their friends without having much struggle or wanting to throw their controller against the TV, which was very common in the Wii era. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it just makes me think, that, exactly. And it just makes me think, like, I want to try and be better at not comparing, not constantly comparing games to other games, um, which I think is something a lot of people are guilty of. But yeah. I want to try and I want to try and be be better at judging games, just as if they're in a vacuum. I'm just trying to compare them to what they're trying to be. And in this case, Kirby, like if I was to play this Kirby game and play it as well as Donkey Kong Country Returns and Rayman Origins, I've played both of those games. I love them to death. 
but they don't necessarily just because those games are great doesn't make Kirby Return to Dreamland worse. And I think that that's yep. kind of what I'm getting at here. Um, I would still give this game an eight or a nine. I think it's great, even though it's not the I didn't have as fun as I do playing Donkey Kong or Cuphead or Super Meat Boy or Celeste or some other fantastic, gritty, hard 2D platformers. This game definitely has its place, too. Um, yeah, I just wish it was made into a sequel uh, in 2023, but uh, here we are. Yeah, that's uh, you. You touched on it there for sure. It's it's not those games, and it, it gives you a different experience than those games too. And that's something to really right. take away from this, right? Those games don't allow you to just have people drop in and drop out. Like that's really what you're playing the game for, and you're, what you're buying the game for, in my opinion. Like I had those such special memories playing with with Jake and um, and our friends on the couch uh, in in our dorm room because of this game. Like the, it, it was a conversation lubricant, as he said. You know, we're all just <laughs> these uh, eighteen year olds in college for the first time. Uh, we're obviously bonding together, and we have a Wii, and we're having fun. And we're just playing Kirby. Everyone loves Kirby. Like it's like it, it's it's another just super innocuous thing to get into no one's gonna be like no i don't want to play this game like it's you don't have to be good at video games either you don't the skill levels don't matter it's just a, a fun time to play and, and you know there there was challenges like 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 magalore uh was kind of like a bullet hell in some aspects in that final boss yeah. like it's it gets hard um and mm-hmm. so and like you said the, the game is whatever difficulty you make it at so uh, I think that's a good thing to try and strive towards is, is yeah, not compare them to different franchises or similar franchises. You can definitely compare Kirby or compare Return to Dreamland to other Kirby games. I think that's that's mm-hmm. important sure. to kind of see where the character goes, how the character has grown. Uh, but um, uh, to, to go back to our review that review segment, uh, I would mm-hmm. give Pepito's review a solid 9 out of 10. Because uh, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed it, other than the fact that uh, he has only played up to uh, level two, but uh, you know what? Mm. They 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 basically touched on exactly what this game is. So good job, Papito. Sometimes giving a review after only playing a little bit of a game when you give it such high praise that that uh, that can be good or bad because Kirby yes. could have <laughs> completely taken a turn for the worst Dark and killed Kirby. his entire family in the third <laughs> stage. You don't know, and you've given this game a nine out of ten. So I mean, it's hard to judge a game that early on, and I think reviewers these days probably get a lot of flack for not playing games all the way through or only playing. 15 minutes of a game before reviewing it or something like that so we talked to kate gray about that on the um on the harvest moon episode where she got to come on and kind of talk about uh how it's very difficult as a reviewer like she talked about playing breath of the wild uh Mm -hmm. and you know only having what like three days before the game actually came out to review it like you can't review breath of the wild and and there's so much going on like and there's so much to explore you know that's like it's like a 200 hour game really to really fully encapsulate yourself in it so that's uh i give reviewers a lot of credit for having to uh, to go through that. But um, yeah, Kirby's Return to Dreamland, Neil. Final thoughts here. Do you recommend our listeners pick it up? I, I do. I think if you're a Wii collector, I think that this is a must pick up, especially since there's only, well, there's technically two other Wii games to pick up. You can pick up Kirby's Epic Yarn or they made an anniversary collection for Kirby on Wii. I believe it was in 2000 and it was the 25th anniversary. So I guess it was 2007? No. It's the mm-hmm. 15th? They made an anniversary that's, of Kirby. No, that, that's, that's, wait, oh, wait, is that... No, that would be 2017. Oh uh, I don't that's know. There, there's an anniversary <laughs> collection of Kirby on uh, on Wii is what I'm trying to say yes. here. And it's got a bunch of the Game Boy games. It's got the N64 game on there. I don't think it has Air Ride, weirdly. But anyway, it's mainly the 2D games. So you've got those three games to pick from. And I think if you have to pick one of the three, Return to Dreamland is the one to have. I think it, like we've said already, it has a place in your 2D collection, uh, your 2D platformer collection, if you're into those on Wii, which I am. 
Uh, it's a great game to go back to in 2023. Mm-hmm. Like Mike and I said, like we've gone back and played the games from 1992, and it, it, it's just like picking up a new game again. Even It doesn't look like a new game. It feels the same. So yeah. this game is just like that. You can pick it up. You can play it with friends if you have your Wiimotes lying around still, um, and you can have a great time. The game is pretty quick. I don't think it takes much more than maybe five or six hours to to beat the whole thing, maybe another two or three to 100% it if you want to. Uh, so there's a ton of replayability in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music, I can't I can't say enough good things about the music. I think it's probably my, geez, like my second or third favorite uh, soundtrack on Wii, yeah. maybe behind uh, Super Mario Galaxy. Yep, I agree with Those that. Those two soundtracks are definitely my favorite, uh, followed by Brawl. And then I mean, Skyward Sword's uh, soundtrack is one of the only things it has going for it, in my opinion. But this is in that conversation, too, in those top five games in terms of a soundtrack. Uh, it's, like, fully orchestrated. It works it, it works so well with the levels. Uh, the levels all still look beautiful. There's no frame rate drops. The graphics are amazing. So, yes. Uh, and my short answer, Mike, is I do recommend the listeners pick up this game. What about you? Do you uh, do you recommend this one? I definitely do. Yeah. It's, it's a great game to pick up on Wii. It's, like, you touched on all the good points there, for sure. Yeah, the music is just so iconic. Uh, as soon mm-hmm. as you hear that, you know, it's just, it, you can't not smile when you're playing a Kirby it's a, game with that music. It's like a little kid on an adventure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he yeah. Just, he's just so happy. But uh, but then I guess then the question would be, do you recommend listeners pick up the deluxe edition of it or just stick with the Wii one for now? I mean, the Wii one is cheaper yeah. for one thing, but... <laughs> I mean, the only thing is having a working Wii and do you want to play with the Wii mote? Like you made a good point, being able to play uh, Return to Dreamland Deluxe with a um, with a pro controller, that's a huge perk. Uh, mm-hmm. Rather, I, I don't love the Wii mote. I've talked about nope. that a lot. I'm not a huge fan of it. Even though it feels like the NES controller, I don't love the fact that you have to... Um, you have to rattle the controller around to uh, do the mega suck thing that Kirby does in this game. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, Switch version, you only have to hold down B, I think it is, to uh, yep. to do that. So that's an improvement. Uh, graphically, I think the art style of the new game is is fine. Like it works. It looks fine in HD. You've got a lot more a uh, lot more things to do in it. So. I mean, as much as I love the Wii copy, and I have a copy of the Wii one now, I'm not personally going to pick up the Switch one. But if you don't have either, I would probably, just for convenience, I'd probably pick up the Switch version. Yeah, yeah, that's probably, I, I, I might go with that. I, I, I would I would pick it up on sale or something, I feel like. Yes. Yeah, like, Good I think point. I think full price is too much to play to pay for this game, especially when a, you know, beautifully working copy exists in the wild right now for, right. for you know, a, a, a decent price. Uh, I forget what your price was there. $50, Neil? Or, or yeah, I paid, I paid 50, I paid 55 for mine. I think okay. it, it usually, I think it actually has gone down since the new game came out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's around 50 or 60 bucks Canadian. Yes. Yeah. So I think that that would be maybe a better investment than like the, the 80 you know that uh, would be for for a, a brand new game, but you'll see. I I think this would be a, a Switch title that would go on sale. Nintendo does tend to actually put those titles on sale, ones that uh, uh, that are remakes or remasters. Um, but um, yeah. We will have to wait and see, Neil. Yes, we will, Mike. We will have to wait and see. Kirby games usually do get price drops, like on all the Black yeah. Fridays and the uh, Boxing Day sales. I think Kirby, I think you'll probably see this game go down to 50 or 60 bucks in the next few months. So yep. wait on that for sure. But Mike, well, we're waiting for Kirby to go down in price finally so they can announce the next Kirby game to come out in mm-hmm. uh, in two weeks. <laughs> Why don't let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode two of Unlocking What Was Cool. Next week is Kirby's The Blue Album. Oh, wait, that's Ooh. not right. Weezer's nope. uh, The Blue Album. Uh, I guess Kirby 
Kirby would have the pink album, and that'll be coming uh, real soon. But yes, we are going to delve into some albums and some music in this podcast. Of course, we wanted to start off strong with a video game that had some GameCube ties, which we have now completed. Check that one off the box. Uh, and now we want to talk about some music. That'll be next week's episode, Weezer's The Blue Album. We're going to dive into it. We're going to hear some tracks. We're going to you know, kind of go through our memories of first hearing some of these, uh, these tracks, like My Name is Jonas and Buddy Holly. And, um, of course, we'll talk about Weezer just being a meme, basically, in uh, 2023, and uh, and we'll see where where uh, Weezer goes from here. But, uh, yeah, it'll be a fun time, Neil. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about uh, this new season of our uh, What Was Cool uh, podcast series, just like how with this one now, instead of we have we, we bonded over the GameCube when we were kids, and that was very important. But as we've talked about over the past several years, you and I bonded over several other things as kids and teenagers and now adults. And one of those things is music. And Weezer is one of our shared favorite bands of all time. It's a band who we've been talking about now for over a decade, just going back and listening to their discography, collecting their albums, going to see them live, watching music videos, covering their music in person. You play piano, I play guitar. Criticizing (laughs) them, just like we do Nintendo and Star Wars and everything else that we love. We criticize them almost more than I think we praise them, uh, which is cool. So it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about something different than video games. It's a little bit scary talking about something else, but Mm -hmm. it's going to be the same formula, the same, uh, you know, take your shoes off and enjoy Mike and Neil talk about something from their past, and hopefully we can share some things about something else that we love uh, aside from video games and uh, it's going to be a great time but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode one of unlocking what was cool new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool all patrons get the show ad free and a little early thank you so much to everyone over there you can follow us on instagram and facebook by searching what was cool pod and join the weekly conversation on our discord channel channel share us with your friends and family tell king ddd mike says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later bye bye the unlocking what was cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from toronto canada and hosted by mike lane and neil gilbert additional voices provided by victor special thank you to our patreon supporters I Rebel, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, White Wind Wolf L, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Benito Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, and Jude. He's got probably one of the best chants for sure. Oh, definitely. Did you know that Sakurai voiced DDD in Brawl? Really? Yeah. Wow, that's a really fun fact. That's a great little Easter egg fun fact here. This is why you need to wait until the very end of the podcast to, to hit uh, hit next. I, I hope someone messages us about this. That'll be nice. Why didn't you put this in the real episode?